0: This is a story about a very unusual musical instrument here in the National Museum of Ireland and the very eccentric man who invented it.
1: Really, not even Hollywood in its wildest dreams could imagine such an eccentric life.
0: You might remember this television ad for Skoda Automobiles and the instrument that's making this sound. It's sometimes called the glass harp, an array of wine glasses that you play by rubbing your finger on the rim. What you might not know is that the instrument was invented by an Irishman, Richard Pockridge, from County Monaghan in 1742. And while it's still played elsewhere, perhaps the only glass harp you can find in Ireland nowadays is here in this furniture gallery at the National Museum in Dublin. Dr. Jennifer Goff is the museum's curator.
2: This piece was in storage and it was locked. And it appeared um, as a 19th century piece of furniture. So we just thought that this was a lovely um, rosewood display case because it has a, a, a tall glass, a long glass top. Subsequently, when we managed to find the original key and we opened it we had discovered um, wrapped glasses inside and we initially had thought, again, due to a display case purposes. But we noticed that a predecessor, we don't know who it was, had actually marked the musical notes... Um, And then the glasses, as we took them out, they were also marked as musical notes. And um, myself and our furniture conservator, Patrick Boyle, uh, Patrick set the whole thing up and we managed to screw in each of the individual glasses.
0: And this turned out not to be a table, but but actually a musical instrument.
2: Not a table, not a display cabinet, but an incredible musical instrument. A glass harp. Uh, We call it uh, the glass harp. Um, Some people call it an idiophone. Benjamin Franklin called it as the harmonica was an 18th century invention um, by Richard Pockridge from um, Alan Ma in County Monaghan and as we open up the case um, and this is what you would have done so actually I don't know how many glasses there are here in total there's 26 in total You can even hear just the various... Some of them look like quite large brandy glasses by all intents and purposes. Yeah, and wine glasses. And wine glasses, or even like small little sherry-type glasses. And they are on a a stem, and the stem screwed into um, these wooden bobbins on the bottom.
0: And how many people in Ireland play it today?
2: Nobody that I know of plays it today. I haven't seen anybody publicly play it.
0: Does that strike you as,
2: as odd? It strikes me as sad because it's an Irish invention. And it's another part of our history that we should be very proud of. Um, You know, we have the harp as our national emblem, and the glass harmonica or the glass harp should be um, literally something that we should be exceedingly proud of. And yet? There's no one other than a curator in the National Museum with an enthusiasm. (laughs) You. Yeah, me. (laughs) But there is nobody that I know of in Ireland that plays this instrument. Um, I have made inquiries. And the only person that I have actually tracked down who plays, um, though there are different um, performers in the world, was an Englishman who lives in Italy, um, initially in Milan, now in Bologna, called Robert Tissot.
3: In clean distilled water in the bowls where I dip my fingers. This is Robert Tiso
0: in Pontedera, Italy. And the instrument in front of him is the same as the one in the museum. The same instrument invented by Richard Pockridge from County Monaghan. An array of wine glasses on what looks like a small table.
1: So a little bit out of tune, as I haven't tuned
3: it for three days and the water has evaporated a little bit. So we'll carry on with the tuning, just to let you hear what it sounds like. I can take any note, (coughs) hear that I add water, the note goes down, take water out. And that is just like giving tension or loosening the string of a violin. Just raise or lower the water level.
0: So Richard Parkeridge would have done the same thing?
3: I would suppose so. Exactly the same thing. Of course, he wouldn't have a, an electronic tuning machine, so life was not as comfortable, but I suppose he was doing exactly this. Raising and lowering the water level in each glass until they're all perfectly in pitch. So I'll start from the low notes. That's okay. It surprises me that that you came here to interview me about poppers. As I know that in Ireland, popular traditions are very strong. It surprises me that in Ireland, no one is playing this instrument. Mm. It's a big surprise. Yeah, it's like in Scotland, no one cares about the bagpipes, it's a bit like, yeah, something like this. And no one's playing the bagpipes anymore, apart from some guy in Africa.
0: How did you, I mean, you didn't just go to a shop and buy this instrument, did you? No, this instrument cannot
3: be purchased in any musical shop. I go into a glass shop and I ask the shop assistant if she or he could bring me three or four boxes of that kind of glass, that model. Then I take them all out and try them all. So, say, normally a box has uh, six glasses in, so four boxes would be 24 glasses, And I try them all and maybe select one or two, then put them all back in the boxes and asked if I can have another four boxes of the same glasses. I try to gather six, of course, because you have to buy them six at a time. So I like maybe the two I selected. I put another four that are decent in the box and I buy six of those glasses. Of course, I'm not spending much money and driving the shopkeepers crazy, and that is why in a few shops I'm not even allowed to put my face in <laughs> and there are there are a few shops in my town in Padova where I cannot even step in the shop
0: but so they must have like a poster of your face <laughs> yeah because, yeah because you can see this man lock the door
3: maybe there's my face and uh, written under unwanted dead or alive <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice. So what, what do we know about Pockridge?
3: Well, uh, the, the musical glasses were played even before Pockridge, maybe even in 1500 and by some medieval performers that would go from court to court with their shows. But surely they were playing a, a small set of glasses, maybe made of three, four or five glasses, just the to give the mysterious sound, maybe play two at a time, but it was just kind of a hypnotic sound.
0: They wouldn't be playing Vivaldi or the Pockridge. No, no,
3: probably, yeah, well, quite surely Pockridge was the first one who actually put together a, a, a decent set of musical glasses, tuned them all up, and could play properly the, the classical tunes. Yeah? yeah. Famous... Uh, Organ composition by Johann Sebastian Bach is Toccata Fugue in D minor.
0: Here's 18th century Dublin, about to hear Richard Pockridge playing music like that on his brand new invention. Take the city of today and tune it down, like a wine glass, to 1743. Just take out 270 years, and it might have sounded more like this. I'm
1: Barra Boydell. I'm an Irish musicologist and... um, The music scene in 18th-century Ireland, specifically in Dublin, was remarkably active. There was a great curiosity for things that were new, for things that were unusual, for things that were different. Uh, If we look through the advertisements for concerts in Dublin in the mid-18th century, We so frequently find advertisements and reports of concerts in which, you know, people were trying to attract an audience by doing something unusual. And so it's in that context, I think, that we can perhaps best understand uh, Richard Pockridge's um, invention and promotion of the musical glasses. So when Pockridge appears with his instrument, how unusual would that have been? enormously unusual. Um, he surely must be one of the most colorful characters to have crossed the radar of the musical life in, in Dublin. because I mean he, he, he was an extraordinary person. he was a remarkable person. When we think of some of his, uh, some of his projects, um, some of which were literally a century or more ahead of their time and you know struck his contemporaries as being absolutely crazy.
2: Some of Richard Pockridge's eccentric ideas. Give everyone a set of mechanical wings. There was a street artist that flew from Thomas Street to Mead Street, and some reports say that it was Pockridge. Let's have ships with iron hulls instead of wooden ones.
1: Well, I mean, in the 1740s, that would have been thought of impossible, and 100 years later, that's what they started doing.
2: There was one harebrained scheme that he looked at actually planting vines um, in trying to make wine making in, in boglands in Ireland. If he'd been successful, I think we would have been a completely different nation. <laughs> Whiskey may not have been our main drink, um, or Guinness.
1: He had this plan to make a navigable canal between the River Shannon, providing water access to the western half of the country, with the River Liffey, so connecting with Dublin. When he proposed that idea in the middle of the century, certainly it must have been considered in some way impractical, but 40 or 50 years later the Grand Canal was completed, which did exactly that. Or his idea of rejuvenating old people by blood transfusion.
2: If the tube was stuck in the arm of an elderly person, and then the tube was stuck in the arm of a young person, to the elderly person, that there would be a, a transfusion of the young blood to the older, and the older to the younger, and hence it would be rejuvenation.
1: In the mid-eighteenth century, that was obviously a crazy idea, but you know, well, we don't exactly rejuvenate ourselves nowadays with blood transfusions. But the idea of blood transfusion for you know for health reasons is is, is widely accepted.
2: And he also looked at an anti wrinkle method vinegar and brown paper on your face every couple of minutes and dousing it in the vinegar. Very interesting if Lancome or Creme de la Mer looked at that project now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the one hand, he does seem to be a bit of a mad hatter. Uh, but on the other hand, many of his ideas actually were perhaps a lot more sensible with hindsight than his contemporaries might have been able to understand.
0: So, did it all make him famous and rich?
1: Well, he seems to have gone the other way, doesn't, doesn't he? I mean, apparently he came from a well-to-do family and managed to uh, lose all the money.
2: Yes, he actually had um, a very successful distillery in Islandbridge. However, he ran that also into the ground as a business. And there is an urban myth that when the bailiffs came to basically lock up the distillery and to close everything off, that he pulled out his glass harp and began to play his harmonica.
4: Mr. Puckridge thus addressed him. Gentlemen, I am your prisoner, but before I do myself the honour to attend you, give me leave as an humble performer of music to entertain you with a tune. Sir, replies one of the bailiffs, we come here to execute our warrant, not to hear tunes. Gentlemen, says the captain, I submit to your authority, but in the interim, while you are only taking a dram, I shall dispatch my tune. In the meantime... He flourishes a prelude on the glasses. The monsters, charmed with the magic of his sounds, for some time stand and gaze, at length recovering their trance, thus accost the captain. Sir, upon your parole of honour to keep the secret, we give you your liberty. It is well that playing upon the glasses is not more common. If it were, I believe our trade would find little employment.
1: <laughs> I, I, I must remember to have a glass harmonica next time the bailiffs come to my house. <laughs> but his life—I mean, he—even even leaving aside his his invention of this extraordinary instrument and the other things he became involved with—but I mean, an extraordinary life. And you know, his his late marriage to a to a wealthy heiress who then eloped with somebody else, and they got drowned in a shipwreck. Uh, you know, really. A, <laughs> as far as one can get from a normal lifestyle as one could imagine. <laughs> not even the, not even Hollywood in its wildest dreams could imagine such an eccentric life.
4: For the benefit of the inventor of the Theatre in Smock Alley on Tuesday the 3rd of May will be a musical performance upon glasses with other instruments, accompanied with voices. This being the first time that glasses were ever introduced in concert,
2: In 1743, February of 1743, there's an advertisement that he was going to play it. And he was due to play at um, Hunt's Auction Room, which was just off Smock Alley in Dublin. And then the accident ensued.
1: He was setting up the glasses before the concert and he went out of the hall for a drink or to get a breath of air or whatever. And according to the report in the paper, a sow entered the pig, entered the concert hall and knocked over his glasses and they were all broken. So that that concert was a bit of a non-starter.
2: Everybody was reimbursed by Parkridge. And then, literally, it took him a year to get back.
4: When the glasses were first introduced in public, an accident happened which prevented the inventor from showing that instrument to any advantage. Some imputed it to his taking a glass too much, but the real cause of it was owing to the hurry in removing them, which untuned and disconcerted that instrument.
2: It wasn't until 1744 that he managed then to successfully organise um, a recital in Taylor Hall.
4: For the benefit of Mr. Pockridge, there will be a concert of vocal and instrumental music.
2: After the when first he overture. came back in March of 1744, they say, after the first overture, there will be a voluntary, be a voluntary performed 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 upon the glasses.
4: Eleanor the, the black joke, with additional variations, and Hark, the bunny Christchurch bells, to be played in three parts on the glasses. In the second act, a concerto of the Valdis called the Cuckoo, the principal part to be performed upon the glasses.
2: Upon the glasses. After the concert, there will be a ball and a commodious drawing room for those who are inclined to, pay, to play cards. You know, he sounds
0: like quite a virtuoso. He wasn't playing Twinkle, Twinkle Little Star. No,
2: absolutely not. I mean, there, there does seem to be um, quite a contrast between classical composers such as Vivaldi, who would have been, of course, very much popular at the time. But um, I would love to know what the black joke was. <laughs> it's quite an interesting piece.
3: I will play today Irish traditional folk song which is The Black Joke.
0: Have you ever had Pockridge's problem? Somebody's pig breaks your glasses? No, a bicycle
3: ran into my instrument and broke two glasses. Then another time there was a, a tourist and while he was leaning to put the money in the hat, the camera hit a glass and broke a glass on the street, yeah, two, one with a bicycle and one with the tourist with a camera. Anyway, didn't really make a big fuss about it. I was playing one time in open-air music festival and suddenly a pigeon dropped in my glass. And talking about it after, that's the detail everyone remembered rather than how wonderfully I could play Beethoven, Bach or, or the magical sounds...
0: So, okay, so he has a a bunch of completely failed schemes. He squanders his his inheritance, and then he invents this instrument, which he apparently plays quite well. Yes. And did he get rave reviews? Did hordes of people turn up for him?
2: Um, He got very good reviews, um, but then very shortly after, he is noted as departing for London, where he remained for literally 12 years, where he really made his career. Um, It is recorded that he was making up to £6 a day Um, um, and was playing to crowded um, music halls.
0: Was that a lot of money then?
2: That was an awful lot of money then.
1: The crucial um, development that took place after Pockridge had done his invention was the development that is particularly associated with Benjamin Franklin to mount the bowls of the glasses horizontally on a rotating shaft and then the whole shaft which was you know in front of you uh, with the different sizes of glasses you rotated it with a foot spindle or some other mechanism and then you could play the different notes like having a keyboard a piano keyboard in front of you, and you know, you could move from left to right to get the different notes rather than having to move forwards and backs as well as left and right to rub the tops of glasses that are all standing vertically, as was the case with Pockridge's original invention. And it was in that form that the instrument gained much more widespread popularity throughout Europe and through Benjamin Franklin also moving to the USA to the extent that composers, including perhaps most famously Mozart, wrote a number of pieces for the glass harmonica. Other major composers too, right into the earlier 19th century, We're interested in the instrument, above all because of the really quite remarkable and extraordinary sound that it makes.
3: So this glass harmonica, this was considered a much more evolved instrument and started to become popular, especially in Germany and Austria. To make you understand how popular it became, there was a glass harmonica factory at the end of the, the 18th century that had 100 employees. And uh, well, it was all over very soon because uh, I think around 1830 the instrument was prohibited in most uh, German cities. Why? It was prohibited because it was thought that the sound of the glass harmonica and glass harp would give some serious physical and mental disorders.
1: People felt that actually it could lead to madness, even to death. Stories began to evolve in this area. That, you know, some of the players of the glass harmonica perhaps died at a younger age than expected. Well, now, there's no reason not to suppose that that was for other reasons, but this fed in to a feeling that, oh, perhaps they died because they were playing the glass harmonica too much. The sound, this extraordinary, weird sound was in some way upsetting their minds or upsetting their brains or their spirits or whatever. Well, that's
3: what is said about the glass harp and the players. Uh,
1: yes, it's
3: believed that they would go crazy and... Uh,
0: you haven't noticed any signs of that?
3: Any of what? Of Craziness. It. Well, if you ask my ex-girlfriend, she would say, oh, no, the glass harp drove him crazy. But apart from her, other people would
1: not be suspicious about this. I mean, on the one hand, for example, very famously... The German uh, Mesmer, from whom, of course, we have the word mesmerism, uh, he became very interested in the sound that the glass harmonica made because he felt it could be used uh, as an inducement for hypnotism.
3: And so maybe after his experiments with the glass harmonica, they were thinking that maybe something strange was happening and other voices and rumours were going on about the sound of this instrument, and I don't know why, but someone decided to forbid the instrument and no one could play it anymore in most German-speaking cities, which was all Prussia and Austria, that at that time must be considered the most musically cultured countries in Europe.
0: So the glass harp was considered to be a a danger to public health,
3: Yes, to public health, especially to the the musicians, but also dangerous for the people in the audience that would attend a concert. So they even found a case of a woman that had an abortion, another one that dropped dead or... While listening. While listening, maybe true, maybe invented or, you know, everyone... we, We all die. If someone dies at my concert, it's not my fault <laughs> I play the glass harp. He was going to die anyway, and uh, he, he died at my concert. Coincidences happen. Then, if a person dies every concert I play, then we could start thinking about something. But as people are feeling fine when they leave my concerts, <laughs> there's not much that could be said at this point. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's interesting in, in that context that um, Donizetti considered using the glass harmonica as one of the instruments in his opera Lucia di Lammermoor, within the context of Lucia's mad scene at the towards the conclusion of the opera. Uh, so he was clearly associating the sound of the glass harmonica with, with madness, with delirium. It's, a, it's an interesting um, witness, if you like, to the association of the instrument. And then the instrument uh, went more or less, you know, went out of use or became forgotten about sort of around the 1830s. The first
3: composer who who did something with the glass harmonica after the Prohibition was Richard Strauss and he he included it in in one of his operas, that should be the Frau ohne Schatte. And as times were changing and the Prohibition was more or less forgotten about, then people started to get interested again in this instrument and it came out again but never really became very popular.
0: And just as it did in Europe, it seems the instrument fell from use in Ireland. And what happened to Pockridge in the end?
2: Uh, Pockridge died in London in a house fire. He died in Sweeting Lane in London, just near the Corn Exchange. He died in 1759. And actually, there is a lovely quote, almost a satirical poem, by a politician... Brockhill Newburgh said, Old pock no more, still lives in deathless flame. He blazed when young, when old expired in flame. Be silent, dumb, ye late harmonious glasses. Free from surprise, securely sleep, ye lasses. Hmm. It's rather sad
0: and when he died he was making six pounds a day So they were saying
2: six pounds a day um, he was at literally at the height of his career and if you consider the 18th century he died in his 60s so that was quite a lengthy life for somebody who'd gone from such riches to poverty and back to riches again